Welcome to Bat Therapy, exploring your favorite comic book characters through the lens of clinical psychology. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in a cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. Hello, everyone. How are y'all doing? Great. How are you doing? Who, me? I'm assuming. (laughs) I didn't know if you were asking all the people who you can't hear answer you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I am. I do want to know how they're doing. But also, how is my super duper smart co-host doing? I'm doing okay, despite the fact that it is, I'm tired of having 100s in Texas. Texas is not fun this summer. So, Uh, other than that. Where I am, the heat index was 109 today. So, yeah. So, at some point, we're going to have special guest heat wave on the show to just talk about how he feels about the temperature there you you go (laughs) some point right so i'm really excited about today's topic yes uh so today we are talking about jeff loeb and jim lee's smash comic hit batman hush uh came out back in i think it's 12 issues started in 2002 finished up in 2003 I tell you, this is an interesting one because it really, it, I, I think this would be a great comic as far as a, a jumping off point for yes. comic books because it's a true Gotham story. Everyone's in it. I know. Yeah. And, and in a way that like, it's not overly intimidating. Right. Yeah. I actually, right. I don't know if you remember this, but so, okay. With psychology, becoming a clinical psychologist, you, you know, do your undergrad and then you go to graduate school and you do that for a number of years. And I used to love reading books. And then I went to graduate school and I remember having this conversation once uh, with my dad or well, both my parents um, who both love to read and, and both also happen to have PhDs. And I was telling them, I don't love reading anymore. And I don't know if it'll come back. And they were like, don't worry, it'll come back. You just got to get out of graduate school. So the next year is our, you have to do a clinical internship in order to become a licensed clinical psychologist. Okay. So I finally actually enjoyed reading again. And <laughs> what what does a... Uh, a postgraduate do and they love reading again and they finally decide that they want to start reading comics <laughs> so so i had yes. actually i don't know if you remember this but um i actually reached out to you and i was like who well of course i've got to ask keaton okay i want to i want to read comics this. yeah i was like i want to read comics and there's no way for me to know how to begin there's way too much stuff out there it's impossible um and your first recommendation was hush and I loved yes. it. Absolutely. Because a hush has a little bit of everything. And it has a lot of the major heroes and 
villains like you mm-hmm. get a little bit of everyone because on the hero side you know you get batman catwoman's going through her hero phase at the time yep. robin's in it nightwing's in it harvey dent is in it as harvey dent and not two-face they they talk about oracle you know commissioner gordon's in there huntress is there superman's there even superman's dog crypto oh is yeah he's in there there at one point right you have Ra's al Ghul you have Talia Killer Croc Poison Ivy Harley Quinn Joker like every like seriously everyone there's is, tons of people in, this. in it Jason Todd even pops up before Under the Red Hood had even come out so w- it was okay I was yeah. wondering the timing of that yeah it was before Under the Red Hood even came out he shows up but of course it's Clayface because He's such a great actor, right? <laughs> Scarecrow, Riddler, and, of course, the man that this comic is named after, Hush. Hush. Yes. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it's a it's a who's who of Gotham in this one. And it's all just this big mystery because the story, the story begins with Batman and he's going after Killer Croc. Killer Croc's kidnapped the kid for a ransom. And, you know, it starts off pretty standard, rough night in Gotham. And, yep, a Killer Crocodile man in the sewer. You know how I feel about Killer Croc, right? Your bestie. Yeah, yeah, yep, nine foot tall sewer man. And he's, like, super crocodile-y in this one. Yes, yes, he's, yeah, he's in a bad, he's in a bad place with this one. And Batman comes after him, beats him with, like, supersonics. And then, of course, but it, the the twist here is Catwoman shows up and sneaks off with the ransom money, like and and it's so many twists and turns. It's twelve issues long, and I feel like every single issue just added another little twist because mm-hmm. at the, it's like, oh man, Catwoman stole the money, and come to find out, Catwoman's being controlled by Poison Ivy. But all along, Batman, when he was chasing after her, something cuts through his line. And whenever Batman has a gadget malfunction, you already know something's wrong because <laughs> that does not happen to Batman, right? It's like, my car doesn't just break down. My <laughs> line doesn't just snap. Like, I'm Batman, right? And so right then, it's like, oh man, somebody not only has tampered with Bruce's stuff here, but on top of that, they probably know him well enough as far as Batman goes to be able to cut through his line. Yeah. There's only a handful of people. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, so I love whodunits and murder mysteries and all that stuff. And it's definitely one of those that kind of keeps you guessing and moving around and wondering what, okay, what's actually going on underneath the surface with everything, which I really, really like about it. Yes. Yes. And and it's, oh my gosh, it makes it, it just, it adds to the intrigue. And I tell you, if, if y'all have not read this comic yet, we're definitely going to delve into it. So there's going to yeah, be spoilers, spoilers spoilers in here. But if you haven't had a chance to read it, definitely check out Batman Hush, which is going to be the primary source material that, this is coming from there's also an animated movie of hush uh batman hush very different i take issue with the movie yes there are a lot of differences that i was not a fan of it's just not as 
Yeah, it, it, it takes yeah. some of the interest out of it. I mean, there's still the whodunit and, and twists and turns, but they change things unnecessarily, in my opinion. Well, and I, I think part of it, too, is they took a 12-issue comic and made it into a 90-minute movie. That And mm. that's difficult. That's difficult to do because you got to chop things. You got to screw things up a little bit. And so, yeah, they had to they had to change some stuff in, and I wasn't a fan of yeah. some of the changes. But, yes, it's definitely great. Um, recommend reading or watching. I mean, if, if you haven't read it yet, then watching it probably won't bother you. <laughs> and, and, and there's definitely going to be enough similar. Uh, but, yeah, we're totally going to be spoiling it all right now. So, yeah, Catwoman is being controlled by Poison Ivy and gives Poison Ivy the ransom. I think it's like $10 million, something like that. And Catwoman's definitely submissive. So whatever's going on, it's because Poison Ivy is controlling her. And so that and that just brings up like I really love the female characters in the Batman lore because mm. they're just they're strong, they're independent, and even the ones where it seems like they aren't, their story keeps moving forward. And specifically yeah. I'm talking about like Harley Quinn because mm-hmm. she does she certainly doesn't begin that way. But slowly, she becomes this great, very interesting, and now very independent character. And and so I love that because so many times, women in comics, they take a back step to whoever the man is, right? But in this yeah. comic, for example, Catwoman is very much a part of this story. She's mm-hmm. almost in it just as much as Batman is. True, yeah. And I, I would agree that um, I'm going to complain about it again. She's no wimpy, wussy, crying, fainting Vicky Vale from Batman, <laughs> 1989 <laughs> Batman, which made no sense to me. Oh my gosh, so bad. <laughs> it's so, it's so bad. Oh man, like I just, oh, it, it, Vicky, it's Vicky Vale so bad about. That's no, I can't, I cannot blame you. It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> so, but yeah, so Batman's bad. All right, so. Oh gosh, there's so much to cover in this comic, but it is a great read. Batman, Batman's bat line gets broken. He falls all the way to the street from like a skyscraper. So first things first, like he's already in bad shape, but then he just happens to fall into a pit of thugs. It is Gotham. It is nighttime. Well, you remember where, what alley it is. <sighs> <laughs> it's your favorite alley. <laughs> <laughs> yes it, yep it's it's in the name it's in the name right he falls so, into crime alley you know what are you does. gonna do he does yeah and but huntress huntress shows up and this huntress so huntress is a very interesting character because at this point in the comic she's she's taken some steps too far in like that vigilante justice direction where it's like okay the batman family really doesn't have a lot to do with her just because she kind of takes it a step too far so huntress deal she is the she was the daughter of a crime boss and her parents were killed and then she became a vigilante she becomes huntress and she is kind of all over Gotham doing vigilante justice, just like the Batmans and the Robins and the Nightwings. But like I said, she's take, she's taken some things a step too far. I can't remember the exact storyline, but I'll make sure to remember it so we can put it into sources. 
Uh, but she does show up, and there's some banter between her and uh, Barbara Gordon, who is Oracle at this point. So Hush takes place pre-New 52. And so at this point, Oracle is still Barbara Gordon's character. So we talked about it in The Killing Joke. She got uh, shot. She was paralyzed by mm -hmm. the Joker. And then she became the superhero Oracle, who is kind of like the eyes and ears of Gotham. Like, she helps all of the superheroes out in Gotham as far as uh, hacking and telecommunications and gadgets. Like, she's just all over it. And so at this point, she contacts Huntress to go help Bruce because he's he is down and he's in really bad shape. So she sends the Batmobile to take him back to the Batcave and Bruce is in very bad shape. And so it's already a different comet right off the bat because it's not often that we see Batman this vulnerable, right? Yeah, he's he's injured very badly, which I mean does happen in the comics, but yeah, he's very vulnerable, like he's not able to move. Someone literally Huntress literally has to carry him into the Batmobile. And it happens very early on in the story, which which definitely is a big contrast to a lot of other things. Yeah. And, you know, and it's the it's the little things here that I really appreciate. So Batman in Morse code taps Thomas Elliot. His, Thomas Elliot is a neurosurgeon and was a childhood friend of Bruce Wayne. And so Alfred takes Bruce to Gotham City Hospital and Dr. Elliot saves his life. But the, the little thing that I enjoy about it is to cover up the tracks. Alfred, <laughs> and it's really small. Alfred has Nightwing just crash one of Bruce Wayne's, one of Bruce's sports cars. So that they're like, oh yeah, Bruce was like, he, uh, he injured himself when, when he was just out trying to race around in one of his many sports cars, right? And so it was, I, I appreciated that small touch because it was one of the things that I thought about, like, how did they just explain Bruce Wayne's fractured skull? Oh, okay, well, there it is. That's why he's the cavalier <laughs> millionaire or billionaire or whatever he is these days. Right, uh, right. That, that's the like, nice thing about, you know, the alter ego being a little, little impulsive and carefree. Right. And, and it's funny because if you live in Gotham and don't know about Batman, of course, Bruce Wayne is just this super rich douchebag that just lives in your city <laughs> and you just can't stand him. And he's just, oh, he just bought that hotel, huh? Who does he think he is? Oh, he just bought this street that got blown up by the Riddler last week. Like, what? who does he <laughs> think he is? Like, just, and, and they don't see all the good he's doing. They just see he's just like, this powerful megalomaniac rich douche right but that's when they introduce tommy elliott and this is where it gets interesting because we don't hear about bruce's childhood friends we just True. don't we we hear about his parents dying and then bruce being raised by alfred until he gets to a certain age leaves and then he comes back and becomes batman we don't hear about this so tommy elliott was his childhood friend and they played together all the time and in these backstories they give flashbacks throughout this thing and basically what you learn is Thomas Elliot knows Bruce Wayne. Like, he knows him very well. He knows what makes him tick. He knows how Bruce thinks. And so, right at the beginning here, I start thinking to myself, comes pretty quickly that this guy's going to be a main character throughout this entire thing. They wouldn't be giving 
all of this backstory, right? <laughs> and so it's not hard to figure out, like, oh, I wonder who this villain is that just knows Bruce Wayne so well, right? It, it You, you kind of see it coming. But it is really interesting because Tommy Elliot at this point, is just this great all-around guy, a little bit into himself, but a very good doctor and a great friend of Bruce that does not, at this point, know that Bruce is Batman. And so this, I think, is where the... You were bringing up an interesting point, you know, when we were kind of briefly talking about, okay, you know, what are we going to be chatting about with this episode, which is you were talking about how a lot of times the counterparts for a hero, their counterparts, there are these kind of comparable pieces to them and their main villains. And um, I thought that was a really great point with Tommy Elliot. I mean, here, I mean, I mean, look at all the comparisons. They, they grew up as friends there. They also seem to have like comparable childhoods in terms of um, the parents. There's also kind of a life or death car accident that happens for Tommy Elliot when they're kids. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Bruce's dad actually wasn't able to save his dad, was able to save his mom. But, you know, even there comes some similar things. You even see Tommy Elliott, the way he knows and understands Bruce, he's actually beating him with these, like, strategy war games that they're playing as kids. And so you're you're even seeing that some of the things about Tommy Elliott that are his strengths, play to his strengths, are things we often think of as Batman's strengths and what yes. he does. And I thought that was a really interesting point for this is just – how those counterparts develop when there are these similarities there. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that makes Batman interesting because so many times we see comic book characters and they always have one villain that has their exact same set. They just happen to be a villain. The one that's insanely on the nose, of course, is uh, flash and reverse flash, right? Like that. <laughs> I don't know if you can get more on the nose, than than that bizarro for superman's pretty that's who pretty i thought you were gonna say close. but then when you said flash i was like okay yeah yeah yeah. right like oh what's your name i am reverse flash like that's not even a good name that's kind of right? sad <laughs> it's like oh you can't even come up with your own identity outside of this other person that's sad right uh and so but but the thing that's interesting about batman's villains is so many times batman's villains always are his arch nemesis in one category, right? Like you, you have this character hush and the Riddler who normally are really good at outthinking mm. and outsmarting Batman. Then you have a lot of characters like Bane or killer croc who Batman has to think his way through because honestly they can definitely outfight him. Yeah. And so he has to be really strategic in how he takes them on and and so it's it's really interesting how the care all of the characters they always have something to bring to the table to give batman trouble but only in one or two categories but this character is interesting because he is pulling all of these strings from behind the curtains and that's mm -hmm. why there's so many different characters in this story so bruce is still trying to figure out what's going on with this whole ransom situation and he is going to look for killer crop then the next thing that happens is the batmobile blows a wheel 
Which, once so, again, is a really odd thing to happen. Right. <laughs> right. Like, Batman's... The Batmobile doesn't get flat tires. <laughs> it's not like my four-door sedan. <laughs> yeah. But he finally does catch up to Catwoman and realizes that she's under Ivy's spell. And so, at this point, Ivy gets away and Catwoman's just like... I appreciate your help, Batman. So Bat so Bruce knows who Catwoman is. He knows that her she is actually Selena Cow, but at this point Selena Cow does not realize that Batman is Bruce Wayne. But Catwoman does already have a thing for Batman and I and I think at this point after she he helps he helps her, she kisses him, but then she takes off to Metropolis because that's where Poison Ivy is. So Batman and Catwoman end up in Metropolis because Catwoman's going to go after Poison Ivy. And this is where it gets pretty crazy because, of course, Superman shows up. And whenever Superman shows up, that's always this really crazy moment because Batman-Superman fight's always really insane but very interesting. And at this point, this is something I really want to talk about because Batman has this really interesting uh, relationship with superman and it's funny because he says something along the lines of deep down clark is a good person and deep down i'm not yes and it's not the only time in this comic that he he contrasts himself he he makes this difference um when comparing himself to clark or to superman i mean even even near the beginning when he's saving the like kidnapped kid, he essentially yeah. says like, it's a shame that Clark's not here. Cause he'd be better with this kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yes. like, it's too bad. He doesn't have Clark. He has me. Right. And, <laughs> but it, but it, it's just a funny moment because like Bruce is always beating himself up about something like mm-hmm. he, I, I don't think I, I, I can't think of a time where in the comments, Batman just goes, good job me. I did great. I did great tonight. Right. Like he can, he will save the day and be like, damn, but I didn't stop that pit pocket over there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it is very funny because it, it actually, one of the things I really like about this comic is how you were mentioning the, the strength of the female characters and and you're mentioning Catwoman being a really big character and she, they do a really good job of using her to emphasize just kind of all of these odd ways he seems to like view himself in the extreme. Um, because yeah, there are all these hints of like, I'm not a good person when he's going around literally saving the day. Um, but he also, I think at one point talks about being alone and, um, just how all relationships end in, you know, death and, uh, other terrible things. And yet Catwoman, like my favorite line in all of this is, uh, at one point she says for a loner, you certainly have yourself a lot of strings. Yes. Yes, because, like, like yeah, and it's funny when you really think about it, because, like, Batman is this super loner guy, but, of course, he has a butler that's basically his dad, and he's adopted, like, three or four kids. He's got Oracle and, in his ear the whole time. Right. He goes and has coffee from time to time with Commissioner Gordon. His do- Commissioner Gordon's daughter is under his watch, right? Like, he, there's so <laughs> many different strings. And I really enjoyed hearing cat like hearing Catwoman break down yeah. 
Bruce. Like, really, really break down... Uh, well, she breaks down Batman, and then mm. later on, Bruce tells her yes. his secret, and it's such a good moment. And one of the things I really love is when Alfred talks to Catwoman, mm-hmm. and he talks to Selina in the Batcave, and he's like, because she's she kind of has her guard up around them because, of course, she used to be a villain, and so all of them are a little bit abrasive towards her except for bruce bruce is the one that kind of brings her in but i love what alfred says because alfred's basically like oh no 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 on the contrary i love this because i basically didn't even think this was possible and it's finally happening and i really hope this works out yeah i mean after he pretty much tells her like you can't just steal his heart like you steal a diamond right (laughs) which you know is fair i i think she does need to kind of be make sure Catwoman is approaching it in the most uh, healthy way, shall we say. But yeah, he he's really on board with it. Dick Grayson's also really on board with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny because at one point you think that Tim Drake is against it because like drake like mm. tim's out here fighting he's like he's being a jerk to her i'm like i don't get it because normally that's not his thing but then you come to find out like batman's like oh do you think she bought it and so one thing i'll say about this comic because we can't go through the 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 whole thing mm. it it's it, it's a little bit convoluted because it does go through like 12 issues and there's so many characters in it. It's a little bit convoluted, but the story is great because yeah. it is intriguing. Cause you're like, who is this character pulling the strings? Because from time to time, whenever something happens and we have a big villain pop up in the background, you see this guy and he's wearing like a long trench coat and he has his head wrapped in bandages, like, like a mummy. Right. And we're <laughs> like, man, who the heck is this guy? And at that point, that's when you figure, I really, that's when honestly I figured out it's probably this Tommy Elliott guy. That the, could it possibly be the child that said, Bruce, I know how you think. I'm always ahead of you. And now this villain that is also no, ahead right. of him. Right. It's, it's Stop pretty on the nose. showing off, Keaton. <laughs> it's pretty on the nose. No, it's on the nose. Uh, but it, it do, they do throw you off the scent a little bit mm-hmm. because, of course, Joker shows up and kills Tommy Elliot. And then Batman goes on a rampage. He almost killed. Mm-hmm. He, he, he almost really, like, severely injures the Joker. And doesn't, I think it's Commissioner Gordon shows up to yes. stop him. Well, Catwoman tries to stop him, but she's injured. And he takes advantage of the injury to essentially keep her from stopping him. And yeah. then, yep. So it took two people in a row that really can usually can connect with him. Um, and Commissioner Gordon essentially was like, don't make me shoot you. Cause I'm not going to allow you to become be, to become the problem that you fight essentially. And that kind of helped jerk him out of it because yeah, he thinks that Tommy Elliott is dead and there's the whole, you're right. There's a lot of convolute. There's, there's tons of stuff, uh, lots of people, but they're all like all of these kind of themes and things about, Um, Bruce Wayne and Batman and connections to people and loss of people. And Tommy Elliot is, is um, one of the, the main pieces to really just propel him into focusing on all the loss. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny the way it happened because it, because essentially we had never heard of this, this character before. And of course, when they introduce him, it's like, Oh, look, 
a friend of Bruce Wayne's. Let's take something else away from him. Yeah. <laughs> like, can yeah. we can we let him can we let him win no. once? But no, absolutely not. <laughs> this is Gotham. Who do you think you are? <laughs> but it is funny because all of these characters that Bruce has surrounded himself with they always are the ones that keep him from going too far. Like, and yeah. and it's funny because Bruce prides himself on this no kill code. But how many times has Dick Grayson stopped him, mm. or Catwoman, or Commissioner Gordon stopped him from making like a severe mistake? Yeah, I mean there are multiple Robins even that got started because they they were like you need. I mean, wasn't Tim Drake part of his? He kind of figured out he was Batman and. Um, yeah. Him and I, I think, um, oh, what's her name? Um, I think it was when Damien died. Um, but when when there are deaths or, or Robins disappear, s- certain people that are really paying attention to Batman sees, see how he struggles. And essentially what you're talking about, these characters come to fruition because Batman needs to be balanced out by someone else or yes. he becomes too vengeful. Right. And we see that a lot in this. We see that one, he can go a little bit too far, but two, when without anyone there next to him to kind of pull him back, he gets very, very paranoid and he gets very, very untrustworthy of Mm. everything and everyone around him until he figures it out. Because this this character really pushes him to the brink because he knows who bat he knows who that Bruce is Batman and so he knows exactly how to make him tick. Like at one point he has Jason Todd show up and the clues that Batman has put together from this is wait a minute. This guy knew how to cut my line. Jason Todd also uh, the first time I met him, he was stealing the wheels off the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Is this Jason Todd? And of course, and it was. And, yeah. and how they layer this too, because it was in Crime Alley. So yes. all of these little pieces tie in for him. And so I, I, I see what you're saying in terms of this like paranoia thing. This character, Hush, literally pulls on anything that can enhance that that sense of taking all the minute details and forcing you to have to pull them together, which naturally is also going to pull up paranoia because you're going to have to just be hyper-focused on all of the little details of everything. But yeah, so um, Crime Alley connects to things. Um, you have this childhood friend that's that's connecting to past with Crime Alley, which connects to Jason Todd, yes. which connects to another loss of Jason Todd having died, which, by the way, the Joker did, who, who theoretically kills t- Tommy Elliot. Like, all of those interwoven strings are incredible. And when someone's weaving all those strings together, yeah, it's only natural to for that paranoia and essentially seeing, seeing um, purpose and, and, and seeing clues everywhere makes sense because of just all these layers piling on top of each other. Yeah. And so he just knows how to make Batman tick. And it's, it's, that's what makes him cool because he's not even exactly this super strong character lord like this powerful fighter he's just knows exactly how to get in bruce's head so here's the thing with uh because i see similarities between hush and bane 
which granted, you know, some things with Bane, he's brute force, but I'm, I'm thinking like Nightfall and City of Bane and the, the ones where he has more of this calculating mindset. And, and so you said something earlier that I think both of these characters really key in on, which is why their stories really compel and pull out this almost breakdown with, with Batman is they don't just focus on their own skill set. And, right. and if you think it, it's the pulling in of all of these other pieces, you're not just relying on your strength, but you're using, if you have the strength of really being able to kind of break down, okay, I understand their motives and how they think and might respond to things. So based off of that, then putting other players on the board to hit him in his, all of his different weak spots. Um, from different angles that make sense for each of the different characters, that's where the breakdown happens. Yeah. Now the the thing is the the thing is too is that uh, you you find out that this is still a a character that wants revenge, and so it mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me because it's like the, he's him and Batman are once again two sides of the same coin. Uh, pardon the phrasing because Harvey Dent is somewhere in this comic, but uh, yeah, there because essentially he wants revenge on Bruce Wayne because he orchestrated his parents' murder. He wanted them to die because he wanted the inheritance, and he's angry because his mother lived. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, like add, adding insult to injury, I think his mom then got cancer later, so then he had to like be the dutiful son that you know, helped her as she died of cancer. So he had that to kind of layer on top. What a jerk, right? I know. (laughs) They made him like this absolute horrible, horrible person. Like, oh, gotta take care of my sick mom. Yeah. And then not only that, but then also like, um, just not being able to handle it because not only did your mom or your dad save my mom, but then your parents got to die. <laughs> right, right. Like he's, <laughs> like, it's like, geez, he's dude. So, he's so angry about the about the the strangest the strangest things. Like I wanted I wanted ice cream that day, but I had to eat filet mignon, and, <laughs> and like it's just I'm just mad. Like he it's it's kind of whiny. It's kind of whiny, but it's the worst kind of whiny. Like, ugh, you, I'm gonna, I'm out to get you, Bruce, because I had to take care of my sick mom, and it was yeah. all your fault. Like, wow, like you're really, really evil. And, and from from what yeah. we know, for the record, because usually we're a little bit more empathic, but they don't give you any information to suggest that this poor boy was like trapped or like treated poorly or anything. He doesn't he doesn't help himself in right. his argument. He's just like, I wanted them to be dead, so I just had full control of the money. But this guy wasn't like they weren't keeping all the money from him. He seemed to be doing fine. Yeah, and I yeah I kept trying to figure it out. Like I kept wondering, like, did I miss a page or something? Because so many times, like with this podcast, we take a villain and we're like, okay, let's make sure we humanize them. Sure, let's sure. make sure we bring them down to earth. Yeah, yeah. What happened? How did they become this way? But this guy's just a jerk. Like I can't. <laughs> like I really, I was really, I was rooting for him. I was rooting for him. I'm like, Tommy, come on, give me, give me something. Give me, give me something. something. Like, give me, give me something to work with here, dude. And it's like, nah, nah, I'm a jerk. And it's so, like, oh, so to be, okay. to be fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I'm with you. 
sometimes it's just nice to call a jerk a jerk. And at the same time, you know, he's telling this story back now that he is a very hardened adult. So he, there may be other stuff that was going on in childhood that he just is not sharing, is not divulging because, I mean, we, we, we know kind of some flashbacks of what it was like for young Bruce, but you know, like a young kid's friend, like could miss tons of stuff. Um, so yeah, we, we, we don't get much information. So there might be more there than him just genetically being some sort of sociopath. Uh, yeah and and this is just his this is his introduction so at this point in the comments i do believe there is further backstory because there was a sequel to this comic called heart of hush where he still cat he steals catwoman's heart and it gets crazy it gets crazy jeff Loeb's a fun writer because you you never know what's going to be on the next page it's like oh okay all right cool and uh, and yes, you heard Keaton right. He yeah, a a heart is in fact removed. It's a wild ride. Yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> wild one. But yeah, like I kept like I said, I kept trying to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, and I'm like, no. Like when criminals say, oh, it'll be as easy as stealing candy from a baby. Thomas Elliot would steal candy from a baby. Like he would actually do it because it because it's kind. He's a he's a very petty petty villain like i'm just gonna do things to just make yeah. bruce tick he kind of he reminds me a lot i know we mentioned our reverse flash eobard thawne like mm. talk about a super petty villain like oh i ran back in time and made you drop your books in elementary school like little stuff like that <laughs> he's he's really a he's he's really a jerk and one thing i i, I wasn't crazy about with this comic even though it's great and it introduces a lot of the lore i feel like it wrapped super quick like they reveal oh look it was thomas elliott all along and he's there for three pages and then it's just over like the the big reveal was all of three or four pages and i wish that i'd gotten a little bit more out of this long, long build-up with backstory. Well, especially because Harvey Dent plays a role in in things being wrapped up as well, which is very, very interesting. He's like the one thing that wasn't planned for. Um, so essentially, Hush has been going around doing favors for the villains so that they'll do things for him. And he fixes Harvey Dent's face. And with that... Harvey Dent's mind actually heals. Yeah. Uh, and, and so this, you know, this doesn't work in all of his storylines. The treatments don't always go well for, for Two-Face slash Harvey Dent. But for this one, I would say that that's, that's one of the very few wrenches that end up in the plan is I don't think he really saw where, where that would lead. And it would have been interesting to see that play out a little bit more than the very, very few pages like you're talking about. Yeah. It, I... I keep it, it's such a it's such a random strange plot line so yeah he yeah he is now once again Harvey Dent and it it gets weird because he's like oh yeah I pulled some strings with the district attorney's office to kind of clear my name so I'm just out here now and then he just shows up and just shoots Thomas Elliot. Yeah. Well, first he releases the Joker, which, to be fair, he's right. The Joker didn't actually kill Tommy Elliot. So yes. <laughs> for but, that, he was innocent. <laughs> and honestly, is there anything more Gotham than 
oh yeah, Joker didn't do it. Let's let the Joker loose. Like, because <laughs> didn't he probably escape like two months ago, tops, for doing something else that he was guilty of? Like, shouldn't he still be? <laughs> Well, not only that, in this story, him and Harley Quinn definitely, like, show up and terrorize the the opera, right? Like, they, like, all of that happens, and (laughs) it's like, oh, but he didn't shoot Thomas Elliot, so he's free to go. It's like, no, no. (laughs) So, so Harvey Dent isn't all helpful. He sets, he, he helps the Joker get free, but yes, then he, he takes care of Thomas Elliot. Oh my gosh. And we're going to have to come back and talk about this uh, more later because his whole storyline with that gets crazy because after this, there's like a, uh, a comic, uh, a, a comic thing called one year later where mm. Br- Bruce leaves Gotham for a year and Harvey Dent becomes some like vigil. He becomes a, the Gotham's vigilante for the year that Batman is gone and then he takes things too far and so Bruce is like you can't be a vigilante anymore and the anger that Harvey Dent feels <laughs> causes him to once again become two-faced like it's oh, a, no. it's it, it it goes off the rails it does Poor go Harvey off Dent. the yeah it goes okay. off the rails quite a bit but this story is all over, it's it's all over the place but I absolutely love it because of everything that it sets up like if you were to if you had never read a comic a a batman comic before and you wanted to start somewhere i would highly suggest starting here because every time they introduce a character they also let you know exactly who they are Mm -hmm. and their their backstory and that's what makes it that's what makes it really real a really really good jump off point as far as batman comics go I would totally agree with that. Um, being someone who is newer to comics, one of the things that I, I actually really don't like, and it's part of why I think I, I like to focus on Batman or one character streamlined kind of thing, I, I don't like how much all the different comics tend to pull from one another and leave you a little bit lost if you haven't been following them the whole time. Like a lot of times if a random character or five come in, uh, <laughs> I, you're just racing to catch up if you haven't been reading all of these other comics at the same time. But Hush definitely felt different from that. So it was a nice way to introduce those. And, you know, and he quickly became one of my favorite Batman villains just because of how he makes Batman tick. And, you know, in his very first plot line, in my mind, he kind of in he kind of wins because he gets Mm. in Batman's head enough that Batman loses faith in Selena and they end up breaking up, even though they had only been dating for like five or six issues now. They end up breaking up because batman's in his head wondering like was she a part of it all along because i can't something happens and she whispers the word hush to Mm. him which literally she just means like quiet right (laughs) right but i'm like of all the words she could have used like (laughs) why did you say martha right like it was like of 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 all the words you could have used she says hush and he 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 just freaks out honor and she's like look i'll be around whenever you get to the day that you can trust people and trust me for who i am and then she leaves and so it ends with 
Hush essentially winning because he still got in Batman's head enough that now Batman is back to where he started and does not trust people. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. And and so some of the kind of compounding, once again, that interweaving that, like you were saying, really dials up his just hypersensitivity to anything that might be going on uh, is the fact that Scarecrow came back around like later in the story and one of his venoms or whatever, one of his sprays didn't work and he was surprised. And so there was also this lingering kind of these lingering hints that potentially Batman and Catwoman were still under some sort of venom or poison ivy kind of thing or something that could have been like influencing them in some way and Catwoman was kind of like you know whatever if that's how things started you know I know who I am I know who you are this is what I want but Batman with all of these interweavings having gone on like you were saying it it does kind of line up it's not so much paranoia in the way of he's not He's not coming up with information out of the blue or connecting things that don't necessarily cleanly connect. Like if if he laid all this stuff out, I think most people kind of looking at the information be like, okay, how you got from A to B to C to D, that makes sense. And a lot of times paranoia kind of comes with these jumbled logics that that don't cleanly make sense when you're trying to play it out for another person. So it doesn't necessarily play out that way. But the fact that... He, he does his just ability to take a foot forward in his life breaks down because of all of these little details that have connected together to really highlight the losses he's had, the lack of control that he has in certain ways. And he just could not handle that potential lack of control in terms of this new relationship, given all the reminders of the different losses. And, you know, and... I, I know it's difficult to trust people, especially if you've gone through something where you've been hurt by someone or you put your faith in someone and they let you down. And of course, they they take that, which is something that I think everyone can relate to, and they put it in the pages of Batman. <laughs> and of course, it's they 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 have to put it in spectacle and blow it way way out of proportions but if you dial this down to just from a a completely humanistic standpoint this is something that everyone deals with isn't it in terms of like having trust broken and having Mm -hmm. to regain trust absolutely so i don't know of a single person who's perfect so naturally we we go through life and sometimes purposefully, but oftentimes inadvertently, we impact the people around us sometimes in positive ways, other times not so positive ways. Um, And that absolutely can impact trust. And depending on how many times you've gotten um, trust broken, what types of trust, what levels of trust, because there are a lot of different types of trust. Like, I trust when I drive that here in the United States, we're all going to drive on the right side of the road. Right. Now, 
granted, there are some idiots out on these roads over here. I don't necessarily trust people to not blatantly run through a red light, etc. But there right. are some there are some basic traffic rules that I trust people with, and and almost always that kind of stuff can be upheld. I trust that my mail is usually going to end up in my mailbox and it usually happens five, six times a week, right there. Um, or there's financial trust or there's my secrets and my vulnerabilities and who sees those, those softer sides of myself. There are all these different types of trust. The, the kind of deeper, more impactful levels of trust, the more those get broken or the more trust gets broken by people we tend to believe are the people we, quote, should be able to trust, um, like people that we see as close to us or uh, family members, um, uh, a lot of times like spiritual or religious leaders, um, et cetera, et cetera. The more those kinds of trust get broken and the bigger breakings of trust the harder it is to be able to rebuild yeah and the more frequently that happens then the harder it is to want to rebuild that ever right when and you get more and more sensitive to those breakings in trust but you're right it's a very common thing for trust to get broken and we all have to find ways to be able to rebuild trust um but if if that trust has been broken for you after a lot of turns in in the road for you, it, it gets harder and harder. It does. It does, and and it causes you it causes you to put to put walls up. I feel like it's a trope mm-hmm. we see a lot in comic books and movies. It's like I was hurt before. I'll never love again. Right? Like you know, mm-hmm. like you, you you we see that trope all the all the time. Right? But it 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 comes from a a very very real place it really it it does and and of course with batman he he takes it way overboard i mean it took years it took years before we got a batman catwoman oh i love every minute right it took like we they just finished that run thank you thank you tom king took so long love you tom king thank you so much i agree yeah you know um and it is a very sad thing because it really hurts when these these larger types of trust these more um these types of trust that hit more on vulnerability for us in some way really hurts when that trust is broken especially if it's by someone that for one reason or another we did not believe would would break that trust or or hopefully would not uh or should not um but yeah it's it can be very heartbreaking because People can get to the point where they say it's not worth it to trust people anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because you you can't you cannot promise someone that they'll never get their trust broken again. Right. You can help someone to learn from what has happened, to help them as best you can be able to to learn how they can heal from broken trust, how they can manage the aftermath and Potentially, they learned some some warning signs or or things from that that they didn't know before um, to just help to minimize the potential for trust to get broken in the future. But we can't promise that trust will never be broken. But and and it's it's funny because when you when you bring that up, like you got to kind of learn to deal with it. Like it, it it can make you it can make you so anxious and on yes. edge 
like the idea of trusting someone mm-hmm. when when it's been when it's been broken and so it's it's it can it can almost make you jittery and and terrified to honestly take that leap it, it's a, a tr- trust fall if you will yeah. right like it it's it's very it's very difficult and so yeah while while hush was a, is a very very kind of convoluted comic that jumps from point a to point b to point f back to point c like it's all <laughs> over the place the 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 key theme here i do believe is at at the heart of it just trust and having faith and believing in people and who they mm. say they are yeah and and you know i i think that that one of the really tricky bits about it is when trust has been broken it can be hard to really be able to remember what it's like to have be able to trust and if you can't trust anything or anyone that that's an exhausting life you're you're totally right trying to trust after trust has been broken can bring on a lot of fear and anxiety and stress and it can be really hard and also life is really really hard not to mention usually in some ways sad depressing and boring if you literally can't trust anything or anyone because think about it that would mean okay i can't trust that people will drive on the correct side of the road enough for me to drive somewhere but it also means I can't trust that my electricity is going to turn on every day. I mean, think about all the oh, things wow. yeah, that I would didn't think pot- about it from that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you get technical, if you don't trust anything or anyone, that's even more stress and anxiety and fear and strain in your life. Like, unfortunately, trust is something that that is so important and, and can lead to some wonderful things, which unfortunately Batman was not quite ready for at the end of this comic. Gosh. When, when, when you put it into that, that way, like thinking about trust in all those different areas, it, it kind of makes me think about when someone is OCD and they, mm. they go back to double check if they left the light on mm-hmm. like five and six times or, Oh, did I, did I, is the pilot light still on or, Oh, did I leave the water run? Like they go back and uh, like back and forth. And so, yeah, while that's a kind of a different context, I think it's a good example of the issue of not trusting is one of the problems with OCD is the, the stress and the time taken up by having to go and, and, and check and, and redo these things. And so, yeah, if you don't have trust, granted that's a different um, underlying thing going on, but it's, it would absolutely cause some of those same things where if you can't trust any of this stuff, all of your time would literally have to be double, yeah. triple, quadruple checking everything. Yeah. And man, that's just, I don't, I don't know anybody who could take all that on. Yeah. Whew. I, uh, I think that I'm in need of a mindful nerd. Let's do it. Moment. Mindful nerd moment. Let's do it. So, yeah, I was trying to think of what to do with this comic. And I think because you were talking about the convoluted stuff, that it made it a little tricky. I was like, oh, geez, I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, so one thing I came up with was I was just thinking about the, the path that Batman took. And just, man, his, he was taken on quite a ride. And all of these different things hitting him, all these subtle little things all piling up together. And so there's this one scene, you were mentioning it a bit. So, so Jason Todd supposedly shows up. So one of the Robins that, that was actually killed by the Joker. And so Robin shows up and there's this like rainy scene uh, by where he was buried. 
um, in like a cemetery. And um, Batman ends up discovering that it's not Jason Todd, but of course it just is bringing up all of these different emotions and things. And so the idea I had was for us to do a rain visualization. So just to kind of picture ourselves in that moment at the cemetery, which I'm sorry if that's super creepy for anybody, but uh, at the cemetery, it's raining and just taking a moment because there's a lot going on. So taking a moment with Batman, taking a pause and all of the hush stuff going on to really focus in on the rain. So that's kind of the idea behind today's Mindful Nerd Moment. So we'll start like we always do, finding a comfortable position for yourself. Um, It's good to be straight but not tense. And encourage you to put your arms either loosely at your sides or just hanging into your lap. And first, like we often do, we'll just bring our attention to our breath. And don't worry about changing it, just notice its natural pace. And remember that this is your time. There's nothing to worry about, nothing to worry about solving. It's important to take time for yourself to relax and step back away from the worries, away from everything going on. And keep in mind the, the image that I described in the cemetery with the rain. And... Focus in on the sound of that rain. Hear the natural pace of the rain as it changes in speed and weight and allow the sound of the rain to calm and soothe you. Thank the rain for cooling, nourishing, and cleansing you. And feel the deep sense of gratitude towards the water and its life-giving powers. Allow your mind to actually follow the path of one of these raindrops. Imagine that you start in the rain cloud where that raindrop first forms, and imagine the droplet as it begins to fall. Follow the raindrop as it comes effortlessly through the sky and as it purifies the air around it. Imagine it cleansing the atmosphere as it gets ready to nourish the earth below. And follow the raindrop as it falls, landing on the green grass in the cemetery. It begins to seep into the lush ground, hydrating the soil and preparing it for new life. Parts of the raindrop enter the roots of a nearby tree. And imagine it traveling up the trunk into the branches and nourishing that tree. Later evaporating through the leaves, transforming into oxygen, and moving through the fresh air. And imagine that that oxygen is now entering your nose in your next inhale and feel the coolness of that air. Imagine the power of the rain cleansing and nourishing your body just like it does the earth and the trees. And allow the air to calm and soothe you 
And imagine as you exhale how you're providing the trees and plants with the nourishment that they need. Again, inhale, taking in nature's gift of oxygen. And exhale, thanking nature by giving back your breath, an offering from yourself back to the earth. Remember that you are a part of nature and you are a part of the natural process of the universe. That you deserve all that the universe has to offer designed just for you. Just like every raindrop, you have a purpose on this earth. Allow the universe to protect you and to nourish you, giving you the strength to fulfill your life's purpose. And take one more moment to appreciate that purpose and the nourishment of the rain and the oxygen in the air around you. Exhale one last breath before beginning to step back into the room around you, moving your body a little bit to help you shift from the image of the rainy cemetery back to where you are now. Maybe moving your fingers and toes a little bit, doing a nice stretch. And come back into your body, carrying the calmness and the power of the water with you as you refocus back into the podcast. So how was that for you? Very enjoyable. Very, very enjoyable. Yeah, I, I think I might have some trust issues, I'll tell you. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, but I think that's what I think that's what this is all about. It's very, it's very human, and it was it was good for that uh, mindful nerd moment because it kind of gave you gave you a chance to kind of just like put all that aside, come mm. back, come back to base. Because even just talking about trust, you just think it, it causes you to think about things from the from the past a little bit and so ah, it can, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah and so that's the that's one of the things i love about mindfulness is if anything it, it brings you back to home base yes and I, I like that you're saying that because sometimes people will will misunderstand and they'll talk about it as a distraction or as something to you know help me kind of put all that stuff away or or ignore that that's there but yeah, it's not about that. It's not about ignoring parts of you. It, it's exactly, it, it's about helping to just continuously help you come back to your own home base. Because whenever it's important to work through these things, whether it's trust or other stuff that a person might be working through, and we always need to have our home base to come back to. And so sometimes you have to hush and have a mindful nerd moment. Ha Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. You can find me at Crafting the Mind on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'm comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado, Keaton Hopkins. You can find me and my friends' movie reviews and reaction videos at teamjvs.com or on YouTube at teamjvs. For more information on this and other topics, check out our website at bat-therapy.com. To keep current on episodes and other updates, subscribe to our Bat Therapy YouTube channel or follow us on social media. We'll see you next week. 
same bat time, same bat channel.